Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Niger again. Our next episode of Psychology Unplugged, another fun week of interacting with so many people across the globe. Um, really appreciate all the positive feedback and um, continue to reach out to me. I'll give you all the contact information of how to get a hold of me. Uh, but really glad that from a lot of the comments that this program is making an impact in, in people's lives. Um, which is really one of the driving forces behind starting this podcast. So, uh, as, you, as you guys know, um, today I was going to have a guest on, but he's actually in Ireland, and I'm trying to have him on next week. Uh, his name is Vivian James Rigney, and he wrote a great book uh, called Naked at the Knife Edge, um, and he climbed all the seven highest uh, peaks in the world, including Mount Everest being the last. And he's going to speak a lot on vulnerability and leadership. Uh, he does a lot of work uh, with executives. So didn't work out today. So I'll try and have him on in the next week or so. But it's an amazing book. And uh, my conversation with him today, which is a really bad connection, was um, I think it's going to be a really good episode. Uh, so today's topic, as you guys know, how I've do this program. I do it organically. Um, Julie's in the background chopping, uh, which seems to be the status quo for what, how, we, how we do this program. But I want to talk today about uh, self-responsibility. In mental health, I, I think I found that a lot of people... Um, if you go back to the episode I did, one of the first ones I did about um, locus of control and attribution theory. Um, in attribution theory, when we succeed, we attribute it to our own personal strengths, our own personal uh, accomplishments. And when we fail, we, it, we attribute it to external factors. Um, the test, the teacher was a jerk. Uh, the cop, you know, wasn't nice, didn't need to pull me over. And then kind of the flip with that is when other people um, succeed, we attribute that to, well, they just got lucky. And when they fail, we attribute it to, well, they deserved it. So in terms of like self-responsibility, if, if is, is we really are the architects and the owners of the lives that we are trying to live. And when mental health kind of creeps in, it, it, I think it, it gives almost like a, a paralyzing effect. I think to some extent, if we just stick with like depression, where you have anhedonia, lack of pleasure, um, decreased motivation, decreased willingness. But the flip side is we are all still responsible for the choices that we make. And it's incredibly empowering, independent of what psychiatric conditions someone may be struggling with. It's really important that I want to get across that at no point in our lives are any of us without choices. Now, it doesn't mean that depending on the situation that we're in, that the choices available to us may not be as many, may not be as appealing, but we always have the ability to make a choice. And whatever choice we make, um, 
is our own responsibility and we can own the we have to be able to own the consequences of those choices so if, if you say if you say for example you you know you just shoot out mean texts to to your parent or to to a, a spouse you are responsible for that now uh, same thing if, if if you if you do really well in therapy and you're doing the work and you feel like an amelioration of symptoms you need to own that and, and, and celebrate that because that is your own individual work on whatever journey that you are on. But but self-responsibility and when you factor in these different things like we talk about attribution theory, um, a lot of us don't want to accept responsibility for the things that happen to us. And people can get into this, this you know, this poor me mentality. Um, you know, it's everybody else's fault. You know, mom and dad didn't give me what I, I, I thought think they should have given me. And it can get to the point of even like self, self-loathing. And independent of it, if it's a diagnosable medical condition or a psychiatric condition, uh, self-loathing can be really toxic, not only for the person who's experiencing it, but also for the individual who, who's doing it, Julie, with the water. Um, and they threw me off track. Uh so self-responsibility is a really important part of, of mental health. And I also wanted to kind of incorporate into the fact of, of your responsibility, if, if you are a patient in therapy, that you also have more control than you may think you have. That you have every right to talk to your therapist about what are your what are your diagnoses, what are your goals. Uh, you're not gonna be surprised to hear me say it. Get a full neuropsych eval before you get into therapy and start meds, so you know exactly what it is. Um, but you have a right to talk to your therapist about things you want to work on, things you're not ready to work on. Uh, you have a right sometimes to change therapists, even change pres- prescribers. Uh, a lot of people feel that they that there have to be this passive recipient on this train that they really can't say anything. And when I when I talk to people, like, well, tell your therapist, as like, really, I can say that? Yeah, let, let them know. Let them know that what they said they have offended you. Let them know that what they what you guys are working on, you, you not feel you're making any progress. Because I think therapists do appreciate that feedback because it has to be a mutual exchange and a mutual dialogue and um you know i don't again i don't do much therapy anymore but i tell people i'm not doing any i'm not working harder than you and that's where the, that's where the responsibility comes in and the responsibility comes in that you know if you come in every week and you're not doing any of the work you're not ready for therapy you're not ready for treatment i i don't know how to help you same thing with you know with Julie. If you're not going to take your meds properly, if you're not going to, uh, you know, let your prescriber know, you know, how you're feeling or how you don't want to feel, or all it, it comes down to communication. But but you know, in, in self responsibility and 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 owning our own actions, um, the deflection is is a huge. Um, uh, defense mechanism, uh, rationalization, projection, because it, the, all the defense mechanisms are designed to safeguard our sense of self in whatever state that we're in, and they are designed to maintain whatever mindset and belief system that we have, whether that's appropriate, inappropriate, adaptive, maladaptive. That's what all the defense mechanisms are designed to do. Just think, defense mechanisms, they're designed to defend the individual psyche from having to confront parts of the self that they may not be willing to confront, they may be in denial to confront, or they are too stubborn to confront. 
And this kind of kind of links back to the one episode I did on help rejectors. And if you if you're ever in relationship with somebody who's a help rejector, it's incredibly exhausting. It's like you tell me the same story every day, but you make up every excuse under the sun to not want. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll call a therapist. I, I was just too busy this week. You know, I, I couldn't pick up my prescriptions because I was I was working overtime. It's like getting a break. You know, seriously, you got to do the work. And with with the work, is the amount of work that you do is d- directly proportionate to how quickly you will move in terms of psychological treatment, psychiatric medication management. You know, these some of the meds like the antidepressants, they don't work overnight. And, they, you know, they take four, six, eight weeks sometimes to work. And people look for the magic pill. And I've always referenced, you know, in the United States, us being this Amazon society, that we we want it, we want it now. And, um, you know, there's no such thing. I've said this, I think, in the first episode. There's no such thing as the unconscious. Freud was wrong. Um, he was wrong in the sense that we've been able to map out the brain and there is no structure that is responsible that is that is the unconscious. Adler's definition of the unconscious, which was uh, he was a student of Freud who disagreed, and he said that everything is conscious, everything is purposeful and deliberate, and we have our own responsibility. You know Freud's model of the id, the ego, the superego. I think I, I give him credit because he was the first one to develop a psychological perspective to explain human behavior, but there is no such thing as the unconscious. Adler's definition, he said the unconscious is nothing, is simply those parts of ourselves which we have yet to come to understand. And a lot of times, sometimes we, you can think of it as like being automatic. A lot of us function on autopilot. And I think a lot of a lot of it slowed down during the pandemic of of why I think there's been a huge increase in in, in the entry of uh, people into the mental health system because that fast paced mindset and 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 being able to just go to work and then do your job and then go go out with your friends and do whatever and then come home have your dinner watch TV fall asleep on the couch go to bed the pandemic forced everybody to sit with their thoughts. And they they said they had to sit with their partners, and they had to sit with their children, and they couldn't because we, especially in the midst of the lockdown, where really they didn't have access to go really do anything. What other explanatory factors could there possibly be? I think there probably are others, but I'm coming from this perspective that I think people were forced to look at themselves, to look at their lives, because you know. It, it, the wait list for mental health and, and just from talking with people across the globe is exponential. And even here in Massachusetts, where I would be able to text colleagues, you know, sending you so-and-so, sending you so-and-so, no problem, get them in. They, they, some people have been t- saying their voicemails that I, I'm not, I'm no longer taking patients. These are great colleagues of mine. I, sometimes I get to beg for favors. So does Julie. But I think that, 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 that the, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but whatever it is, whatever qualifier you want to put onto it, the pandemic did result in all of us having to confront our own selves, confront our own family dynamics, confront our relationships with our partners, confront our relationships with with our children. That is conscious awareness. That you know, and some people denied it. Some people may have muted it with, with, with substance use, and substance use went up exponentially during the pandemic. That's why, at least in the United States, uh, I'm pretty sure probably all the all the states, um, uh, what they call them packet stores in Massachusetts. I don't really get it, the packy, but a liquor store they were they were deemed essential businesses because people who were chronic 
uh, users of alcohol, you couldn't just cut that off because then you risk withdrawal, delirium tremors, so on and so forth. But so that was a huge part uh, of, of, I think, an increase in, in self-medicating during the pandemic. But uh, again, I'm not focusing on the pandemic, but I think it using it to kind of shed light on, uh, we didn't ask for it, but as a result of it, and if you look at the, 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 the amount of people involved in the mental health system, I think there is a correlation between that, that, that isolation and that, that confrontation with, with the self and with the, with the dynamics that, that forced all of us to look deeper within ourselves. And the rates of mental health have gone up exponentially. So, um, but, you know, individual responsibility, um, you know, you, you, with, with, with more, with more, the big, with the bigger house comes more responsibility. With the nicer car comes the bigger car payment. With, you know, with, you know, the kids getting older, they become, you know, more more expenses so you know people we want to strive for things but at the same time uh our responsibility levels increase exponentially uh i i have a tremendous amount of responsibility what i do you know i'm responsible for being the person to accurately diagnose and assess somebody julie has the responsibility of being able to you know accurately medicate and, and and treat somebody from a psychopharmacological perspective um you know, I have responsibility to my role as as a, as a stepfather. I have my responsibility as a role um, as just a citizen. I have my responsibility to my colleagues, to my friends, and this is really the work of Adler, who talked about the. And I think Adler, I think his student Rudolf Dreikers exp- expanded on this. The the three tasks of life, and the tasks of life were based. Are, are there's three? There's the sex task, and by sex, he wasn't really meaning. Actually, you know, intercourse, although that's a part of it, but sex was our, our intimate connection, intimate connectedness with meaningful relationships. There was the social task, and the social task is our responsibility uh, as just individuals within a civilized society. Um, as you see in January 6th, United States, that task was nowhere to be found. And then there's the work task, which... Um, is interestingly the most important task of life, which seems kind of ironic. You would think, okay, the sex task, the, the, these deep emotional connections, the social tasks, the you know, the, you know, relations with people in life. Why the work task? Because work is where we define ourselves. Uh, one of the first three questions people are asked when you meet somebody is, "Well, what do you do for a living?" And in our profession, that can be sometimes a little tricky because, hey, can I talk to you? So that opens up a whole can of worms. But that's fine if we could help. So be it. But we spend the majority of our work, the majority of our time at work. It's what it, it, it's what contributes to a significant amount of our stressors. It's what we talk about the dinner table at night, and it's what allows us to provide for ourselves and our families. So if if you're effective in the work task, you're more your level of happiness is likely to be higher. You're more likely to be more involved in your intimate relationships with people, and you're more likely to be involved in in, in a social infrastructure. So you know the the work of uh, Adler and Dreikers, I said, really breaking the tasks of down tasks of life down to those three component parts. Um, 
is, is, is very relevant. And the Lyrian psychology is a very, very relevant and really the, the precursor to cognitive behavioral therapy. So, you know, Adler was big on, 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 on self-responsibility, on individual choices, on, on accepting, you know, the consequences for the behaviors or the choices, the behaviors, and even the emotions that, that, that we express. And, you know, it gets, it's really hard to treat people from a psychological perspective if someone's constantly in denial, constantly using defense mechanisms, constantly rejecting or even, you know, just showing up every week and lamenting about the same thing. As I said, you're not ready for therapy. I've said this in other episodes, you have to be uncomfortable. And unless you're uncomfortable of saying, I'm tired of thinking, feeling, and acting this way, you're not going to change. And, and you know, if you, when you start to change and, you know, you, you for the positive, you know, it's important to own that and, and to celebrate that. And if you, again, it, this is all about being conscious and be, and making choices, Um it, it, it's, it's, it's deliberate. And again, if you look at, again, not the unconscious, but just the, some things are so automatic. It's almost like you need to slow the reel down like you're looking at a film in slow motion. That's really how you are able to get people to look at um, their own thought patterns and, and, and their own behaviors and really, like from a cognitive behavioral rational emotive perspective, it's being able to have the confidence in, from a treatment perspective to say, look, is it possible that you are the root cause of this? You know, you've had seven divorces. What's the common denominator? You've had 20 jobs. What's the common denominator? And again, holding up that mirror to people, um, they don't always like it. But it's it's a necessary intervention to get people to maybe they may, may not make any change. They may never come back for another session. But you know, holding people accountable that they don't make no one can make you do anything. No one can make it. No one can make you go to the store. No one can make you be happy. No one can make you be faithful. No one can make you go to school. No, I mean, you get to the point of like truant officers stuff like that. But you know, at the end of the day, no one really can make us do anything. And that, 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 that's, I think, very powerful, uh, scary at the same time. Um, but yeah, I, I would say more amazingly powerful that, that independent of where you are in your life, you, you have the ability to make choices and you have to get to a point of owning them. Even if they're unhealthy ones, own them. Own them, own them, own them. And if they're on the unhealthy side, if they're on the uh, unproductive side, um, that's when you get, that's when you need to take, you know, take a step back and say like, all right, I need to call myself out on this and get into a professional who can help you unravel that and, and, and potentially eradicate destructive thought patterns, destructive behaviors, and even destructive emotions. But, you know, Control in 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 in, psych, in in the psychological disorders see, can seem very elusive, especially if you get into you know like disorders like schizophrenia or or psychosis, where you know there are neurochemical uh, uh, neurochemical properties that really are outside the the individual's control. 
you know, they may not, they can't control the voices because that, that's neurobiological. They can't necessarily control the mania, but they certainly can control picking up a phone and at least getting on a wait list for a therapist. They can control contacting the primary care or their prescriber and getting on a medication regimen. Um, so yeah, some things, you know, some of the psychiatric conditions, you may, don't, you don't necessarily have that sense of control because there's something biological and physiological occurring. But in the other conditions, like, you know, with anxiety and depression, um, you know, OCD, stuff like that, you, you do have control. I think eating disorders are both. It's all about control. I can't control how I feel. I can't control how toxic my family is. I can't control my relationship, but I can certainly control what I put into my body or what I don't put into my body. And eating disorders is a topic that I will get to at some point because that's a pretty broad one. I don't know if I'll do them eat disorder by disorder or just eating disorders in general. Again, depends how my mind works and, and what what uh, what my thought process is. So again, a, a huge motivation um, of, of talking about this, and, and I guess this idea popped into my head because after talking with uh, Vivian James Rigney, and he's going to talk about vulnerability. Um, I think this is a good precursor because in, if you're going to start to confront your demons, your 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 pathology. Um, Whatever issues may be troubling you, their vulnerability is an important part of psychological treatment, that you are having uh, a professional relationship with a professional who is there and, and trained and hopefully knowledgeable enough in, in the treatment of whatever condition you're dealing with. Vulnerability is a huge part of it. But with vulnerability comes uh, the the requirement is a willingness to be open and honest and and conscious and aware and owning what is going on in 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 your lives or if it's a family system being open and honest in that in that family dialogue process. Um, so I think the, the this whole concept of of, of choices and uh, and of, of self responsibility, I think, was a good um, precursor to what Vivian's going to talk about with the vulnerability, because it really is kind of the cross check to say, okay, now 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 I I I own my stuff, I own my thoughts, I own my behaviors, I own the choices that I've made, and if I'm going to get into work, I I have to be willing to be vulnerable. So, again. Uh, again, pick these topics on the top of my head. I wanted to do this one because, you know, it didn't work out with Vivian, but I'll get him on in the next, um, you know, week or two, because uh, I think it's really, really relevant. And uh, I think it's also relevant to hear from somebody who's, you know, you know, climb the seven highest peaks in the world does require a lot, definitely amount of trust in the Sherpas, uh, certainly amount of, 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 of resilience, a lot of uh, self-determination, and also vulnerability that your life is basically contingent upon your team members and stuff like that. So it does relate very much into the field of psychology and psychiatry. So um, with that being said, uh, hopefully this was helpful, gives you some insight. Um Psychology Today, you can get a hold of me. Uh, Psychology Unplugged at Outlook.com. You can contact me directly, 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time. Uh, until next week, hope everybody is well. Continue to reach out to me. If I haven't got back to you, I, I will do my best to. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure doing this program, and uh, hopefully we continue to make differences and positive changes in people's lives. Until next time, be well. Talk to you guys. Bye.